Afternoon in wonderful Melbourne. It's a great day heading into winter and it is wonderful. My name is Jason and I welcome you to the Sports Desk and welcoming you along to your Monday review show is, of course, Jerry, N- Sam Menhennet and Adam Miller. Embrace, embrace the crowd. Say hello, everybody. No? Uh, hang on, let me just check the, the windows. Everyone here? Sam? N- no. Oh, dear. Right. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason. We're flying solo today. Do you know what that means? I think you know what that means, don't you, right? It means today, for the first time in about three months, the Sports Desk with Jason Evans has ungodly power! And it feels so good. We're reunited together, Sports Desk community. We're reunited and it feels so good. Uh, interesting week, actually, uh, for me over the weekend. It was quite. Ex- it's an interesting one because it was a bit of a flat week for myself in the footy world. But uh, personally, I've never actually had the chance to share with you what's been happening recently. I tried my hand at ten pin bowling uh, last Friday night, and uh, for once got a very consistent scoreline. I came second both times. Missed consistent me. Scored ninety four in game one and ninety three in game two. Multiple games played. Bit like uh, the NHL segment we're going to be breaking down with Game 5 of the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars will be broken down later on in the show. Not only that, um, I'm actually very impressed by the uh, <laughs> the 10-pin bowling results. There was about 10 of us there. It was for a 21st birthday. A big thank you to uh, Jacob for the in- invite. Wonderful time. Other than that, on the weekend... Uh, One thing that I've found out over the last year of doing this program on the sports desk is that, well, sometimes a lot of the fun hobbies I used to have have gone by the wayside a little bit in covering uh, the world of sport, but now I have the opportunity to share it with you guys. I got two minutes back in April to talk about something I'm a big fan of, but now I get the chance to deep dive and catch up with something that I've been fascinated about for months. Uh, The storylines have been building and they've been great, and that is the world of... Oh dear, we're doing a wrestling intro to start off the show. Here we go. Oh, this past weekend was actually a big week in the world of wrestling, especially with WWE hosting Night of Champions in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Breaking down the card was an interesting show, actually. They re- they brought back the World Heavyweight title not too long ago, and uh, as a result of that, we actually saw uh, a, pretty much a new lineage happen, and it's going to be kicked off with Seth Effin Rollins defeating AJ Styles in the tournament final uh, to kick off the show in a fantastic 20-minute classic. Seth Rollins and AJ Styles are two competitors that you don't get to see in a ring one-on-one too often, but we got to see it on pay-per-view or, well, premium live event, and it was a fantastic bout that I haven't been able to have a chance to check out yet due to time constraints, but I will be seeking it out, and I definitely recommend any wrestling fan listening today to check that out too. Not only that, 
uh, women's legend Trish Stratus actually defeated Becky Lynch in the second match of the evening in, a fi- in about 15 minutes. Interesting to see how that storyline's progressing. It's funny seeing uh, the Hall of Famer playing the heel character, actually, uh, with uh, Becky Lynch. But then again, you got Becky Lynch, who is the star uh, of the present-day women's division. And we'll, this will continue to be a nice little feather in the cap to have a storyline with the legend such of the caliber of Trish Stratus. Gunther defeated Mustafa Ali in the WWE Intercontinental Championship match. Com- continuing on Gunther's incredible bordering on year-long title reign raising the prestige with every single defense he takes as Intercontinental Champion Asuka and this is one of the biggest storylines coming out of Night of Champions Bianca Belair with a, her one-year title reign as Raw Women's Champion falling to the Empress known as Asuka in about 15 minutes Interestingly enough, is that it was a lot of the mist. The mist was used as the main storyline, as the main storyline uh, element again. I think this might be a sign of a heel turn. By the way, by the way, it was one. Rhea Ripley, Australia represent, defeated an Italian in about a minute. So not much to talk about there. Brock Lesnar in a rematch against Cody Rhodes def- uh, eked out the win. When I say eked out the win, it was a nine-minute match, and there was a lot of. This is going back to the. Has WWE given Cody Rhodes enough adversity on his road to finishing the story and becoming world champion? Uh, so despite the victory at, Va- at Backlash in Puerto Rico, Brock Lesnar tapped out Cody Rhodes because the storyline being is that he had a broken Cody's arm leading into it. But there was, some, there was a comedy of kickouts in this match from what I'm hearing. I'll need to check this out again. Uh, I'll need to check this out for myself just to see if it kind of went into the overboard category or if they did just enough to make him feel valiant and feel like a conquering hero, Cody Rhodes. But with Brock Lesnar getting the victory, uh, it seems like they're really pushing the Cody Rhodes story on a bit of the back burner because it's, or at least the feud is going to be ongoing, maybe as deep as SummerSlam in Detroit. The main event is the most exciting one, and I've actually pulled up um, from 411 Mania of Hall's review of Night of Champions here to break down that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defeated the bloodline of Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa in about 26 minutes. In a 26-minute main event, uh, as you would know, the bloodline storyline has been revolving around Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, as the main foils to the group ever since uh, Sami Zayn uh, turned on the bloodline at the Royal Rumble and overcame the Usos in the main event of WrestleMania Night 1 as we broke down in rapid fashion on the sports desk in the wake of WrestleMania. But I want to bring the big storyline element, the big angle coming out of this is this particular moment. I'm going to just quote from Hall's review of Night of Champions 2023 in 411 Mania. What really happened was that Owens jumps back into the ring and jumps Reigns and head outside heads outside for a whip into the steps. Cue the Usos, not supposed to be in the match. Go and jump Owens and a pair of super kicks to rock Sami Zayn. But they, but in the effort of trying to super kick Sami Zayn, they accidentally double super kick Solo Sokoa. Reigns sees what happens and is really not pleased. Reigns yells at the Usos and Jimmy, Jimmy Uso of all people, finally super kicks the tribal chief. Jay screams at Jimmy, who superkicks Reigns again. Jimmy says that it is him and Jay now, leaving Jay looking very perplexed. Jay goes towards Reigns, but Jimmy gets him out before he can do anything. Sokoa is back up, but is hit with a stummer and a halluva kick for the three count. This is where the Bloodline storyline is at its strongest, when it's in a conflict between the family. You look, go back to 2020 and you have Jay Uso really desperately not trying to succumb to the tribal tree chief or acknowledging him as the tribal chief. And he was the conflicted one at the Royal Rumble when Sami Zayn had turned on the Bloodline. And Jimmy Uso was the first one to fire the super kick. So it's very interesting to see that 
we're going, we're revisiting the storyline element of Jay Uso being, while he was the right hand man for the tribal chief, once he finally acknowledged him as his, as the head of the table. But as soon as Sami Zayn had come in, that's when, you know, things got a little bit more uh, united. I guess this is when you had a united bloodline and they saw Sami as the, as the, I guess, the sniff, smelling of rat, as they would say, uh, you know, I guess if you want to put a little uh, cliche to it. But once Sami Zayn had turned, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Uso was the, was the first one to fire the super kick and Jay was conflicted. He ended up siding with his brother over Sami Zayn showing loyalty to the bloodline. But this makes me, this is exploring the idea of possibly the bloodline being, this is probably the the way of the, the loyalty truly is just between the Usos and not to the bloodline. But it's, we all thought when Cody Rhodes fell to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania that you've missed out on the, the crowning moment, the perfect storybook ending, obviously finish the story. But maybe there are, Maybe when Roman Reigns said at WrestleMania at the press conference that uh, the Bloodline storyline isn't exactly, hasn't, still hasn't scratched the surface, maybe this is what they were talking about. In other wrestling news, I, before I came in this uh, afternoon, I was catching up on All Elite Wrestling by binge-watching a few AEW Dynamites because tonight was AEW Double or Nothing, their fourth installment. And unfortunately, I can't give you too much of a review on that one just for the simple fact that I have not uh, been able to see the entire card just yet, but I'll definitely report that back next week because I'm not in next Friday. Uh, but I could say I'm four matches in. I saw Orange Cassidy, uh, spoilers if you haven't listened to it, Wrestling Feds, Orange Cassidy retained the international championship in a 21-man battle royal. I have seen FTR retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and their cronies. Goodness me, Jeff Jarrett and a pay-per-view getting a title shot. That's insane to me. He's got to be one of the most ageless wrestlers in the business. But, hey, he put on a good match, and FTR are continuing to be the best tag team in the world going right now. And, of course, an interesting... uh, match that took place was Chris Jericho losing to Adam Cole in an unsanctioned match, which interesting to me that that match went on second um, for the simple reason that AEW in the past, whenever they do the unsanctioned stipulation, what they end up doing is they'll have the lights go out and they'll make it the last match of the show to really hype up the fact that AEW is not responsible for uh, what's going to happen in the ring at that for that particular match. But they've done it second, which is interesting. And they did a callback to Chris Jericho's and Shawn Michaels' unsanctioned match from Unforgiven 2008 with Adam Cole repeatedly beating Chris Jericho with closed fists across the head uh, until he couldn't until he really couldn't defend himself any longer and the refs stopped the match. In the meantime, there was some payoffs to uh, uh, the beat the beatdown on uh, Britt Baker by, made by the Outcast, where Adam Cole was tied to the rope. So we had Britt Baker come out and Kendo Stick Soraya and Chris Jericho who, uh, to pay off that element of the storyline. And they announced after the match that they're going to have a mixed tag on Dynamite. The fourth match I've seen... Uh, as of doing this show, is Wardlow defe- uh, defeating Christian Cage in a ladder match to retain the TNT Championship. Uh, and once we're once I leave this studio, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing when I get back, and that'll be finishing the rest of AEW Double or Nothing. I wonder what you think of AEW at the moment. It's a, it's. I think they're kind of just waiting for Collision to uh, finally arrive and kind of get get CM Punk back on the screens or get, sort this CM Punk situation out and get 
you know, put it to the public where they sit uh, in terms of their storytelling going further, and then we can go from there and maybe we can calm down a little bit as wrestling fans. Um, going back to uh, proper sport, I guess, or, you know, instead of sports entertainment or combat uh, combat sports, whatever you want to call it. Let's go back into some uh, actually quite um, scary uh, news that happened in sport uh, over the over the night, and that is I wanted to bring up something that happened at Monaco. It was Australian Formula 2 driver Jack Doohan crashes at the Ma- uh, Massonet corner at the feature race at Monaco. While Doohan got out of the car, it soon burst into, plane, into flames. Pardon me. Scarily, as marshals attended to the car in the effort to extinguish it, there was a near miss with driver Victor Martins swerving to avoid hitting the marshal. This happened as the race had not officially been red flagged at that point. However, Martins will be handed a drive-through penalty for not slowing down as it was under a yellow flag at the time. So pretty much what had happened is that... um, and Jack Doohan's car got damaged a little bit on the chicane at Monaco, and as you and as we, as the story features, uh, ended up crashing the car. He got out of the car. It soon burst into flames. Now, when obviously at the sight of the car being bursting at flames, uh, marshals were quickly to were quick to attend to it, which is credit to the marshals. But it was a scary situation because by that point, that's when your race goes to a red flag, and that's where the race would stop to tend to the situation. But because they hadn't reached that point yet, there was a very uh, there was still that margin of error for the car, for cars that are not in the red uh, that have not seen any red flags or, or yellow flags. Yellow flags are called. Then the race will slow down. And then if it's too big, they'll wave the red flag because we hadn't reached that point. That's how we may have seen this situation unfold. Unfortunately, as a result of it not being a red flag, we've had this near miss. But at the same time, that does not excuse Martins for not slowing down in a yellow flag situation. And that that is a rightful penalty there. Uh, you're on the sports desk here on Sin. And uh, with me in charge of the tunes, we're going to play some bit more local stuff. Speaking of motorsport, by the way, because I volunteer at uh, the Channel 31 RMI TV production in Pit Lane every week on a Tuesday, uh, the series wrapped up last week, which I'm very thankful for the entire crew and the entire producing team who put that show together. We get to have live music in every week to train our audio crew, our lighting crew, our camera crew. We like having live music because it makes it a whole lot more fun to have. And one of the artists we had featured one week was a band called Ivy Black. And this is a song that they performed on the show, but this is from their EP and the the song is called Trouble. You're on the sports desk on Sin. Coming up will be our round 11 review. We'll be right back after Trouble by Ivy Black. Trouble by Ivy Black here on the Sports Desk Mondays, your review show for on the place where all your sporting news, reviews and previews happen on Sin Media. You are listening either on FM at 90.7 FM DAB Plus or from your preferred device at syn.org.au forward slash, not forward slash, also iHeartRadio. My name is Jason. I've been left with a bare studio this week, so it's you and me for an hour and breaking down a lot of fun things in the world of sport, or maybe just combat sports, because I'm a big wrestling fan. So if you've just tuned in, I did review Night of Champions and AEW Double or Nothing, and I'll continue to review AEW Double or Nothing next time you hear me uh, on the on the show. In the meantime, we had a big round of footy happen, so let's talk about what happened there in the AFL review of Round 11. <laughs> Kicked off on Friday night with Sydney defeating Carlton 11-11-77 to Carlton 6-15-51 in very poor kicking. Harry Mackay, Coleman medalist. <laughs> uh, Harry Mackay, Coleman medalist. Just remember that that was a thing that did happen. And here we here we are with these just 
dreadful, really, um, run-up, really. We, I think we saw Matthew Lloyd during the week break down that he's actually not really aiming for the goals properly when he does his proper run-up. But in the meantime, it was Sydney who took away the win with 26 points. Uh, your main disposal getters... Uh, interestingly, what? how do we look at all this kind of thing? Fascinating. Uh, anyway, we... <laughs> anyway, fascinatingly enough, uh, yes, it was it was it was a Sydney win. It's quite the shame. It's quite the shame. I'd, is there really much more I want to say about this? Carlton are just in a very crucial situation, really. Like Harry Mackay, not really quite delivering. Uh, Kerno wasn't really delivering, and uh, yeah, Sydney just seemed like they had most of the control. It was Carlton may have gotten off to a good start, but at the same time. Uh, yeah, uh, the silence is deafening. The silence is deafening as a result of this game. Um, not much more to say. It, because, in all honesty, it was more of a round of upsets, wasn't it? Uh, round round eleven Saturday morning kicked off. Uh, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon kicked off with Hawthorne defeating the under-delivering Saints at the minute. Twelve six seventy eight St Kilda Hawthorne twelve sixteen eighty eight. That uh, ha, ha, ha. fascinating little fall. James James Sicily, for your key defender, accumulating 43 disposals. Newcomb with 31. Dylan Moore with 31. With your main ball getters for St Kilda, Brad Crouch, 26. Uh, Wangadine Malira, 25. And uh, Liam Stocker with 23. Main goal kick has been Max King with four. Mitch Lewis with three. Luke Bruce with three. Dan Butler and Mason Wood, a couple of goal kickers. Uh, Jacob Kozitski. Missing two, but getting the one that counts that put Hawthorne in the lead or put Hawthorne in the lead for Luke Bruce to then seal it in the final uh, minute of play. I'm not sure if this was brought up at the start of the year between us on the crew, but I I hope someone on the crew, whether it was me or someone else, someone else, Hawthorne, um, while they might have been a prediction for the wooden spoon across a couple of us, they were the team that I think most likely were going to be the one who would claim a few unexpected scalps throughout the season. And this is definitely would be one of those as it kicked off a myriad of upsets throughout the round, most of which happened on Saturday. Uh, Saints, it's not quite delivering for them right now. I think my dad actually brought it up saying, Brett Ratton's record looks a lot better right now, given where St Kilda is sitting right now. Uh, it, they're going to be a tough team to, uh, I guess, predict going forward, going into the second half of the season. But Hawthorne, I think, they're in that rebuilding phase. They might be starting to establish a little bit of a system. Uh, and to get a scalp like that, I think uh, we there is the possibility of more unexpected scalps. Uh, going the Hawks' way throughout the season if they can keep some form up like that. However, Sicily is facing a one-match suspension. We'll be paying attention to that. Over in at the MCG, next door was happening was Melbourne de- falling to Frio by seven points. Fremantle Dockers defeating Melbourne 12-7-79 to 10-12-72. Your main ball getters were Christian Petrarca with 30 Angus Brayshaw with 27, and uh, yeah, next next one down would have been Christian Salem with 19. So not exactly the high break, uh, high um, accumulation that you would normally expect from your star players at the Ds, but uh, it was spreading the load quite nicely. They were contributing quite well uh, for Fremantle. Andrew Brayshaw 29, continuing his 
magnificent form. Hayden Young with 27, Caleb Sarong with 26, and Jager Amira 24, James uh, James Ish and Luke Ryan 24 and 22, respectively. Your main goal kickers were Jai Amis with three, Josh Treacy with two, and Bailey Banfield with two. Uh, highest goal scorers across Melbourne were Cozzy Pickett and Bailey Fritch. Bailey Fritch continuing to be uh, quite a reliable shot to goal despite the two goals too. So a bit... Uh, Slightly more off, uh, off in the accuracy department for this week, which probably could probably does let them down a little bit. But it's that's another one. What the narrative is starting to form that who have Melbourne actually beaten this season? But they are still a, quite a damaging side. You know, no Clayton Oliver definitely wouldn't have helped their case in eking out a victory uh, for the D's. But you know what? Fremantle, you know, there was the flag mantle train last year. They seem to just be that simmering, solid, consistently uh, plugging away kind of side. And if you just, you know, they're going to be left under the radar and they'll start accumulating a few wins and then perhaps the competition are going to start taking notice. This is quite a good scalp for them. In Geelong, 74 uh, 74 plays 81, and it's not Geelong with the winner. Sorry, Adam Miller. 10 14 71, 74, my apologies. Falling to GWS 12-9-81 in Toby Green's 200th game. What a way to celebrate and what a player he is. Wow. And funnily enough is that if you look at the timeline of this game, across most of the game, GWS had more control. Then again, there are a lot of players out going into this game. uh, If we just look at these lineups here, you had Max Holmes out, you had Oliver Dems, uh, and you had Sam Simpson going out and you need, and it was really just a case of how are we going to, you know, how are we going to manage deconing? There's a, still plenty more players out for Geelong. They're not exactly at their full strength as they were throughout the 2022 Premiership season, but GWS claiming a big one at the Cattery. And uh, this is probably a bigger question of where are Geelong going to fit in terms of the top eight? heading into the later stages of the season. But great, great victory for the Giants. Uh, if we look at some of the stats here, if we go to our main disposal, get his Lockie Whitfield with 31, Tom Green, not Toby, Tom Green with 28, Stephen Cornelio with 26, Lockie Ash. So they have stood up in, uh, in Geelong, which is very wonderful to see. Uh, now, moving on to what do we got here? We got another one, another fun little result we got here in Darwin. So we had four games in a row on Saturday with unexpected results. Gold Coast defeating Western Bulldogs 13 6 84 to Western Bulldogs 11 11 77. And that uh, scoreline of a seven point victory actually mostly comes from a fourth quarter burst from the Dogs. They were 22, I think it was 22 points down. At halftime, let's just have a look. At three-quarter time, uh, 11, 5, 71, 8, 6, 54. So we're looking at, uh, we're looking at 17 points at three-quarter time. And, uh, yeah, kicking three goals to two to try and give them a run for their money, uh, mostly through Cody Waitman, through, I believe, controversial circumstances for the most part as a result of, uh, I think, it's start, starting up another debate of uh, diving, pretty much diving for free kicks. Uh, but, you know, Jack Jack Lacocious said this at the start of the year. He's definitely going to be one of those under-the-radar players who's going to be a very, very threatening force to contend with as the years go by. Five goals to him against the Dogs. Jamara Hagen, three goals, one. Bailey Williams, two goals. Cody Waitman, two goals, one. Ben King, two goals, two. It's, I'm not sure what it is with the Kings and their inaccuracy sometimes, but two goals, two is nothing to is nothing to sneeze at. That's not a bad performance. Jack McRae with 33 is your leading disposal getter. Matt Rowe with 29. He is probably 
exactly. And he's a dark horse for the Brownlow, probably. He's one of the most exciting young guns in a developing side right now. And he, uh, his abilities in it, with, a, with a Gold Coast side that is developing uh, and still trying to fight their way into a possible top eight contention through a late run or something like that, he is... He is a force to be reckoned with. Bailey Dale with 27. Marcus Bontepelli with 27. Noah Anderson, another exciting player, 26. Caleb Daniel with 25. And this is where the excitement around 11 goes away a little bit for the simple reason that coming up after that was uh, happening at the same time. That was at Optus Stadium, Essendon defeating West Coast Eagles 14-12-96 to 6-10-46. Uh, 50 point victors go to the Bombers and this was honestly a, I had to watch this one as a Bombers supporter and it was a tough one to watch I want to put it on the record right now that I think Essendon's next game which is North Melbourne if Jerry is listening to this I believe that this is the best opportunity for North Melbourne to eke out their third win of the season Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. If you think it is or if you don't think so, get in touch with us, uh, Sports Desk Sin, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, despite the lead never really being in doubt of the West Coast Eagles, uh, there was just some very poor skill errors across both sides. Uh, one bright spot was Oscar Allen with four goals, one uh, with the fourth one coming after the siren, admittedly. Kyle Langford with three, Will Snelling with two. Jai Menzies impressed with... Uh, kicking two goals and Jack and Ben Hobbs with two, Jake Waterman with one. There was just, I feel like there was just this simple uh, uneasiness with how many basic errors were being made and some very costly, not necessarily costly turnovers, but just uh, there, there was this icky feeling that they weren't giving them the. It goes back to the whole idea when Sam did a solo show and it was Carlton going into West Coast. We need to beat these guys by 100 points and make a statement. I feel like Essendon had the ability to make that statement, but uh, credit to West Coast, they had a bit more of a better structure going into it. Uh, your main disposal getters was Liam Duggan and Jaden Hunt with 35 and 34, respectively. Merritt played well with 32. Redmond, 31. Nick Martin, 31. He's turned into... He's really lit, lit the, the Bombers up a little bit. And Tim Kelly with 29, solid performance. And I think there was a little bit of security with, coming back with Shannon Hearn and uh, was it uh, who was it? Uh, I believe it was uh, Tom Barras as well coming back into the side. Maybe you need, Maybe it is worth considering that with the incredibly immensely talented players that have, have uh, not necessarily – well, they've been on the shelf – uh, you know, you lose that. You lose all that. Those game, those years, and experience of skill in your side. Perhaps that that is an indication that yeah, you, maybe you need your talent back, and then maybe you can resteady the ship a little bit. Moving on to Sunday, Richmond versus Port Adelaide. This is a fun little. This is a fun little result for myself because I've managed to tip this. Port and the entire Friday crew actually were trying to make a case for Richmond, but Port Adelaide. Uh, walked out the victors 10-17-77 over Richmond 9-13-67. Port Adelaide are such an exciting side right now. I'm, they're probably my favourite team to watch at the moment. While I didn't didn't get the, the best chance of checking out this game just due to other commitments, it's great to see uh, uh, you know situations like Zach Butters leading the disposal gets for uh, Port Adelaide as, long, as well as Connor Rosie, Dan Houston, Jason Horn Francis. That's with 32, 27, 25, and 23, respectively. Uh, Tim Taranto put in a really solid performance with four goals, one and 33 disposals. Dion Prestia with 29 disposals. And Nathan Broad, 24. 
Richmond at this point, this is now I, I, maybe I'm not going to put the dreaded rebuild word on the te- on the team, but with Hardwick's resignation and they're not performing quite right now, it's a, you can either look at it two ways. You can look at it as maybe it is time to just go go throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and just play uh, play a Richmond way and just do whatever they can to rise up a bit, or maybe they take a bit more of a, uh, again, rebuild's probably not the right term to use, but have a look at have a look at what their side is capable now uh, and, and kind of go from there. Collingwood versus North Melbourne. As much as I joked about it on, fr- on Friday as, oh, an open training session for Collingwood at Marvel Stadium, come on down. Uh, North Melbourne going down by only 35 points to the ladder leaders and the most exciting. Port Adelaide may be one of. Collingwood is the most exciting team to watch. 16-9, 105-10-10-70, Collingwood by 35 that actually is a very good um, sign for North Melbourne to a certain extent for the most for the reason being that they were 50 points down at, at a certain point in the game. So to eke it back to about 35 actually does show quite a bit of grit about them. And that's why I would say that they have a very good opportunity to get a win against the Bombers this week. Uh, main disposal guests, Jordan Ngoi and Nick Dacos, what, how, what would you expect? 35 and 32 respectively. Tom Mitchell with 29. Uh, for the for the Ruse, Kanka Kanka Kanga, Bailey Scott with 30, Will Phillips with 10, 29, and Hugh Greenwood with 25. Your main goal is with Nick Larkey kicking five. So this is that will make him a player to watch going forward if he can keep that consistency up. Brody Majek with three, Josh Dacos with three. So you can see the dynamic of the well, you could always see the dynamic with the Dacos brothers, but uh Nick Dacos getting all the disposals and lighting the game up, and then you've got Josh Dacos uh uh, executing for for the pies, gee, it's lethal. Jaden Stevenson with two, Will Hoskin Elliott with two, and Jack Ginnivan with two, and Mason Cox with two. It's very uh, it, congratulations, by the way, to Mason Cox with celebrating his one hundredth game. However, unfortunately, within six minutes, we lost Steel Sidebottom on his three hundredth game, and uh, uh, you you, do, you don't want a milestone game ending like that. It's it's such a shame for such a storied career, for such an incredible career, and you know, being such a keystone to the Pies. Him and Scott Pendlebury will probably go down as one of the greatest modern uh, Magpies uh, in their in their especially twenty first century history. I would say, with Pendlebury probably being up there as one of the greatest, the greatest Pie of all time. But still, side bottom, incredible career. It's such a shame that he had to get chaired off in the tracksuit, not in the jumper because that's something you utterly deserve. But at least the team got the win, and they are continuing their incredible form. They don't need a win clutch. They can just dominate as well. Final game of round 11 was a game I had a very vested interest in, Adelaide versus Brisbane, because this would have been one of the toughest ones to call, and it was the Crows who eked out the win with set by 17 points, 14-11-95 to 10-18-78. There were a lot of poor, I would say, from watching this game, very poor skill errors and very in, and it was inaccurate kicking in the end that cost Brisbane Lions not only the 18 behinds but some of the very bad clangers uh, and bad turnovers as well as a lot of kicking out of bounds on the full that was really, really hindering their um, chance to be threatening on the scoreboard. At least Charlie Cameron kicked four, but other than that, and Joe Danaher kicking two, but with two goals, two, and you had Taylor Walking kicking three straight, Riley Philthorpe with two straight. Isaac Rankin could have kicked five and he looked threatening, but uh, two goals, three, nothing to sneeze at. And Luke Pedler with two straight. A lot more, as you could just tell, accurate kicking, and there was some very lethal ball movement going from defence to from defence to the forward 50, as well as turnovers in the forward half. And that 
that proved quite costly to the Lions. So they're still they're still obviously you know sitting quite well at the moment the Brisbane Lions. But it is uh, yeah I'm I'm very I think this is a a strong sign that Adelaide are going to be a very threatening side to some very capable top eight teams. Disposal getters with Jordan Dawson, your captain with 32. Josh Dunkley with 29 for the Lions. Ben Keys, who I've been very impressed with every time I watch uh, watch Adelaide play. Ben Keys with 28 and Rory Laird with 27. As well as the big disposal getters for Brisbane were Lockie Neal, 26. Zach Bailey, 25. Daniel Rich, 24. Who launched one from the 50 early in the game, but then set up some very bad turnovers in the in their defensive half, leading into a couple of goals for the Crows. That is round 11, sort out. So if we look at the ladder right now, Collingwood sit beautifully on the first place. Second, Port Adelaide. I think that's going to be your top two for a few weeks as well. As long as Brisbane can get them going, as can get themselves going, I guess. Uh, for the, eh. Yeah, I think you're looking at your top two for at least another month, Collingwood Port Adelaide. Brisbane third, Melbourne fourth, St Kilda fifth, and it's going to get a little bit interesting to see how they're going to go. Say, you know, they've got Sydney this week and it there's going to be a few challenges for them, I think, going forward. Western Bulldogs 6th, Adelaide 7th, Essendon 8th, Fremantle 9th, Geelong 10th. Now it's going to get very dicey for the Cats to try and stay in a competitive spot in the top eight. Sydney 11th, uh, Gold Coast 12th, Carlton 13th. Love to hear Sam Manhattan's thoughts on that. 14th, GWS 15th, Richmond. Wow, Richmond 15th. Hawthorne 16th. North 17th, West Coast Eagles 18th. That's your ladder heading into round 12. And after round 12, when we get back onto the show next week, uh, we are going to do our mid-season review here on the Sports Desk because at the start of the year, we did a we did a program dedicated to previewing round one and doing a fantasy ladder of seeing where how we thought the, uh, the the top eight would fare out based on the knowledge that we had the previous season. Now that we've got a little bit of data to work with going into the season and going into the back half of season 2023, we're going to reassess that next week on the Sports Desk. You're listening to the Sports Desk. We're going to do some other sports coming up shortly, uh, most of the ones that I'll be specialising in. Uh, since we kicked off the show with some wrestling talk and the biggest uh, news story coming out of all elite wrestling right now is the introduction of AEW Collision happened uh, first show beginning on June 17th from the United Center in Chicago. So there's, well, that's an elephant in the room, isn't it? So why not? Let's talk about it. Let's play CM Punk's uh, iconic WWE and AEW theme as well as used it in Ring of Honor during the summer of Punk in 2005. Let's play Cult of Personality by Living Color just to dedicate it for the man. Why not? You're on the Sports Desk on Sin. Right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. As obvious, obviously the theme, CM Punk, Cult Personality by Living Color. Track one off album one, funnily enough. I've actually got that album at home, though, so I would recommend that album a lot. It's not too bad. Uh, in the meantime, you're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin, and uh, you, if you've just joined us, just letting you know, we reviewed some wrestlings. So that's why we played the theme, and we also reviewed Round 11. So if you have missed out on any of that, be sure to check out our podcast podcast feed on our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google, as well as Omni.fm. And be sure to keep us up to date with uh, keep up to date with us on Facebook.com forward slash Sports Desk Sin, also Sports Desk Sin on Twitter and Instagram. In the meantime, I'm very happy to actually get an impromptu moment here to talk about the NHL in, in a bit more depth, in a bit of a different way, actually, because 
Well, let's just hit the intro and get straight to it. into the NHL because I was sick of Essendon's performance in 2022 and joining me on the line right now is Sin alumni and the person who got me involved in the NHL uh, and I need to actually I need a reminder as to when you brought this up with me. We're joined by Sin alumni and former executive producer of a few shows here on Sin, Ben Holt. How are you doing, Ben? Can you hear us? Jason, can you hear loud and clear? Um, so nice to be on the Sin Airwaves again and uh, I just want to mention um, I actually have a ticket to see Living Colour Oh, do you um, actually? played just before. So I'll be seeing them in Extreme at the Forum uh, in August. So I'm very excited about that. That's very but, good. Uh, yeah, I was pretty pretty keen to uh, share my love of ice hockey to you. And it's been just fun to see how this sport is slowly starting to sweep Australia. I mean, we've even got like a massive NHL performance that's going to be happening live in Melbourne. Um, that's right. We've got the, the Kings the and the Coyotes and the for a pre, uh, preseason game happening at the Ice House. <laughs> Oh, man, so good. So, yeah, it, it's crazy how it's all been happening. But what's your take on the um, the playoffs? Because to me, this has been the most wild bunch of playoffs I could have ever hoped for. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think if we were to make a prediction at the start of the season, everyone would have said it was Boston Bruins, Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, boy, it just did not end up all that way All of them went out in the first round. Incredible. Um, and even my, my team, good old Seattle Kraken, were able to knock out the Avalanche. Uh, Boston had a shock loss. I think they're up 3-0. And then they, they lost to um, the Panthers, the Panthers. who are now on, a, on an absolute tear. So they've been the dark horse of the whole tournament. They um, have. And yeah, not only that, they sweeped. They Well, they mowed through the Maple Leafs, as I share with Jerry and Sam every week. And then they clean sweeped Carolina Hurricanes. And now they're sitting waiting for the Western Conference Finals to wrap up, which uh, went to Game 5 uh, yesterday. And Dallas Stars and now, for some reason, they have a hockey sha- they have a hockey stick-shaped dynamite that got inserted straight up their backside and it's delivered a 4-2 victory in game five and we're going to game six tomorrow defeating the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights 4-2 in fairness when this when Vegas I think knocked out the Oilers I kind of thought Vegas are going all the way to the Stanley Cup at that point would you agree I would have agreed um but now I'm thinking geez whoever has to play the Panthers should be pretty pretty worried yeah um they're, they're in they're in some incredible form but also too uh, and, and I made this mistake. I started to get cocky um, in the second round of the playoffs with the crack. And I, ju- I just felt like we just had an edge on Dallas for some reason. And they came back and beat us by a goal in game seven. So, geez, if this goes to game seven between uh, Vegas and the Golden Knights, sorry, the Golden Knights and Dallas, uh, I actually think I'm going to take Dallas on that one. Oh, what makes um, you say I, that? I, I just think when it, when push comes to shove and, you know, they're going to be really tested, um, they know they can win in seven. Whereas Vegas have had a bit of an easier run so far. So maybe, you know, when push comes to shove, it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes. But um, shout out to Vegas because they got Jack Eichel, who's probably one of the best players in the NHL this year. And apparently he's been able to just fit in perfectly. Um, He hasn't come in and tried to take over the team and like readjust all the lines. He's kind of just fit in, found his groove. Um, And yeah, you, you know, you get one star player in an already good quality team. Um, it seems to be making the difference this year, which is awesome. The scary part about the whole Jack Eichel thing is that he hasn't really been putting too many points next to his name in the playoff situation, or at least since the Edmonton series, maybe even the Jets. But uh, funnily enough is that when they lost their goaltender during the Edmonton series, we had Aiden Hill becoming such a brick wall in goal, and he's such a young oh, goalie gosh. too. 
And not only that, but unfortunately, it was in game five. He had to. He was. He's let four through, and his average went down a little bit. But I will admit, you got to give your compliments to Aiden Hill uh, in goal for this series against uh, Dallas. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, you never know. With I mean, I mean, the goalie, especially in this game, it's make or break, really. Um, but it, that's the the beauty of a best of seven series is that the goalie can have one terrible night. And still, you know, be able to make a big comeback and really, really get the team happening. But yeah, I mean, if the goalie's playing on fire, mm. it'll energize the whole team. Which um, Ot- and then they'll end up scoring a lot. And yeah, it's just awesome. Which Ottinger was definitely doing for the Stars in Game Five, whereas Aiden Hill, despite his incredible performance, once being uh, becoming the starting goalie when their original one went down, he did. There was a few savable goals that he let through, and Ty Delandria of. Uh, uh, of Dallas lit the f- place on fire in game five, scoring two goals in about less than about a minute and a half in the third period, which secured it. In the meantime, oh, in the meantime, Ben, uh, do, what do you think? Game six tomorrow, who do you think uh, would eke that one out? Yeah, I think Dallas is going to um, pull another trick out of their hat. I think we're going to game seven. Oh, really? Um, and, and, and in fact, I'm going to pick Dallas to win it. The so, Stanley uh, Cup? Uh, or the conference? I might. I, I I think the Panthers might end up winning, but I, I think Dallas is going to go all the way to the final. Um, which I mean, my gosh, I never would have said it, you know, even early in the year. But also, too, I've actually seen Dallas play live um, when I was in Dallas, Texas, um, many years ago, and it's crazy to see players like Jamie Ben, um, Jake Robinson, all those guys who were still in the team even back then. I saw those guys playing. Sadly, so. though, Jamie Ben's sitting out in uh, due to suspension uh, due to a, a bad uh, forward, a cross check. Yeah, there you go. It only takes one bad cross check and um, yeah, things can unravel pretty quickly. But Jason, while I've got you, um, this is sports related. I just want to give a massive shout out to a good friend of mine, Josh Maloney, whose two brothers, um, Jason and Andrew, just fought for world titles in America recently in boxing. Oh, very um, nice. With uh, with Jason Maloney actually winning uh, the world title. And um, sadly, his brother the week after, Andrew, received what what they're calling the KO of the year. Um, when, when he was hit and when he was punched for the, the knockout, I, for a second there, thought uh, things were looking incredibly serious. Um, definitely encourage you to check that footage out on your own. But uh, luck, luckily, he has recovered okay and he'll be back in the ring in no time, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's uh, boxing is not for the weak of heart. That, that's, that's definitely one thing. That's very true. And if we were to get more of a local view of it, just, but just for a laugh between us sports desk fans, and I think uh, myself as an Essen fan, it was fun seeing Tom Bell Chambers uh, uh, take, uh, well, you pretty much give a dominant win over Cameron Mooney at uh, Margaret Court the other week. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, too good. Um, r- remind me with Essendon too. Like They've started to pick it up this season, haven't they? Yes, I have. We were breaking it down uh, earlier on in the show. Uh, they currently sit six and five, eighth spot in the ladder. They did do a 50-point win over West Coast, but it wasn't the most exciting performance I've ever seen. But at least, at the very least, if you haven't known this, they did defeat Richmond for the first time in nine years. So I will admit the Brad Scott era seems to be getting off to a reasonably okay start. Yeah, that is solid. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously with with any of these teams, like you've got to stick with them through uh, thick and thin, but it's nice to see Essendon finally actually. It's tough to do, man, because... 
some better consistency than they than they have in quite a while. It's so, tough yeah. to do, man. Well, because we're in the middle of our NHL breakdown, and like I said, Game Six Dallas v Vegas uh, is tomorrow at ten a.m. If Vegas win, they go on to face the Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. It was because of Essendon's poor performance in the in the last few weeks of the Rutten era that I took your memo of. I'm not sure what year when it was that you got into ice hockey because you brought it up, and then I spent most of 2022 saying I need to check this out, need to check this out, and then the season hit because I was so sick of Essendon. I'm like, okay, I need to enjoy my sport somehow or another. How did you get uh, invested into the ice hockey? Yeah, I got invested in the ice hockey because I, I made friends with a Canadian gentleman, um, shout out to Pat, who loved ice hockey, and I told him that I've seen it live, and I always thought the sport was really cool. Um, in which you mentioned there was a new team starting up, so that being the Seattle Kraken. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I was to ever get into ice hockey, I could follow a team from the start. Um, and I guess the scary thing is now is I've still never missed a uh, regulation game. So I was adding it up the other day. I think I've seen about 175 Kraken games in a row, like from start to finish, <laughs> not not missing not missing a single minute of play, which is incredibly scary. I don't think I'll be able to keep that streak going when the season comes back, just because, you know, life's going to get a bit more busy and everything. But, um, yeah, that, that was um, very late 2020. Um, and then, yeah, it was the the, the 21-22 season and then the 22-23. Um, so it's been a wild ride. But, yeah, I'm just so proud with how, how much the team has uh, gotten better. And I'm just having a bit of a break from hockey now because, as you can imagine, this season alone, I watched 95 games. Oh, um, I tell you what, it's the most exhausting undertaking I've ever had to do as a sports fan following the NHL regular season. I, I, I can imagine. I think um, when the when the finals are over um, and we, we have a new Stanley Cup winner, I think you'll be a little relieved just to um, have a bit of a break because it is, it is one huge undertaking. There's no doubt about that. Certainly so. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you very much for dropping by, Ben. I'm, I'm, thankfully, I'm, I'm glad you finally revealed to me as to how long it was because uh, yeah, you kept talking about it to a certain extent. I'm like, actually, no, you're, you're kind of right. I've been, fo- I've been having a little bit of a – there's been hockey presence in my life in, in fleeting, I guess, uh, slivers of it. And uh, here I am now kind of looking forward to the next chance you can get to probably see even like AIHL at the Ice House, you know, see the Mustangs or Melbourne Ice play as well. Yes, I, um, I have a yeah, – my, the same matter I just mentioned keeps on telling me I've got to get down to check this out. Yes. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, really like affordable entry, um, great crowds, really quality games. So, yeah, I, I definitely got to get down there and check this out before, uh, before yeah, I, uh, I move on to Sydney next year and all that fun stuff. Well, you can just check out maybe uh, the. Uh, I've forgotten what the Sydney team is, but they do have a team there, so you can go there as well. Uh, ben, that thanks. That's true. So it, it will get scratched regardless, which is perfect. yes, certainly will. Uh, thank you very much for coming in on the sports desk, and uh, hopefully, you know, so it didn't need to sound too much like the ramblings of a madman in front of a microphone, and we can actually say something a bit coherent. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you do check out the conference final, and hopefully, your prediction of uh, of Dallas gets through to the Stanley Cup. But I still think I. I still think it, Vegas will eventually do it. They're 3-2 up in uh, in the Western Conference Final, but I still think I want the miracle run of Florida to happen. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow could definitely be the day for Vegas. But, yeah, I think the, the, the Florida win would be pretty exciting. So, um, man, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But either way, um, whoever wins it, my gosh, they deserve it. What an absolute marathon of a season. 
these ice hockey teams have to endure. So it's going to be awesome. And with it being my first season, I've now realised just how much of a different beast playoff hockey is. Thank you very much, Ben, for joining us on the show. We're at the business end. It's time to finish the show. All the best, Jason. Thanks again, and uh, love the work that you and Sam are putting in on the uh, on the sports desk. So keep it going for sure. Greatly appreciate it. So so too does that shout out go to Jerry and Adam Miller. Uh, that is the sports desk. That was the sports desk for your Monday uh, Monday evening your review show for the week. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in, and big thanks for Ben to coming in on short notice. Sin alumni, who is the man who got me into NHL just before the season kicked off. Uh, podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or all through omni.fm or syn.org.au. You can check them out. We'll be back Friday to preview the mid-season and all the NBA world and the round ball with the experts in the studio. I won't be there, but the rest of the crew will be. Thank you very much for joining us on the Ungodly Power edition of Monday Reviews Sports Desk. <laughs>